Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have with us the best-selling author of Captivate the Science of Succeeding with People. Her book has been translated into 16 different languages. She is also the founder of The Science of People, where she teaches innovative science-based people skills. More than 30 million people watch her tutorials on YouTube, including myself. She works with entrepreneurs, growing businesses, and trillion-dollar companies, and has been featured on CNN, BBC, CBS, Fast Company Inc., Entrepreneurship Magazine, USA Today, and The Today Show, and many more. Vanessa Van Edwards, how are you doing today? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. Obviously, as you probably could tell, I'm a fan of yours, so super excited to have you on and really couldn't think of a better time to have you a part of the same show. Really quick, before we take and dive into the topics, I just want to do a quick shout out to all of our fans and listeners on social media in all 50 plus countries across the world. Thank you guys for continuing to like, share, and subscribe. And if you don't already do so, make sure to check us out on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter the same show, same underscore show, S-A-N-E underscore show. And then on Facebook, the same show again on Facebook. That's the same show. So today we're going to be talking about the power of body language. Following that, we're going to discuss the effect of social distancing. And following those two topics, we're going to go into an interview so that we can learn more about you, Vanessa, and so that the listeners can also get some insight into your background, your career, and all the fun things that come with that. Mm, so I like it. <laughs> so let's go ahead and hop right into it with the power of body language. So obviously you're a subject matter expert on this. And I always like to keep things related to my guests to get a little bit insight from you and also share this insight with the listeners. Again, as you know, I've watched a lot of your videos and I'm also a sales professional. One of the things I, I see time and time again with my career and also just in general, you know, doing things like this is you see time and time again, when you communicate with people, again, the power of body language, you know, I'm oftentimes paying attention to when I'm talking to someone and how they begin to mimic my stance or I begin to mimic them and, you know, <laughs> looking for all those little cues, trying to figure out if we're on the same page, if they agree with what I'm saying, or if there's something else going on. And I, I think a lot of times we overlook that. And, but the, the unique thing about it is that we're human and that these things are part of our very nature. And obviously a lot of these things happen on a subconscious level. So if you could give myself and the listeners a little bit more insight into the power of body language. Yeah. You know, I, like you, always kind of had this feeling that mm -hmm. there was something happening beyond conversation. And the very first time I got introduced to even the concept of body language was a word, it's a he, word I'd never heard of before called proto-conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I heard this word and I thought, yes, that is what I feel is happening when I'm talking to colleagues or when I'm talking to friends. And I feel like, did I just see that face, facial expression? <laughs> did, did they just roll their eyes? And a lot of the time I feel thought that my intuition was either seeing something that I didn't consciously realize right. or I was completely making it up. And what researchers have realized is that nonverbal is a way that we keep each other accountable. And what I mean by this is as humans, we are constantly looking for people who are congruent. And this right. is 
I teach body language in a very different way than most people. I think that congruence is everything. Meaning when I say, Hey, I'm so happy to be here. And I don't sound happy. So my, my biggest pet peeve is, you know, people hop on a video call or they, they walk on stage or they hop on a podcast. They're like, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Right. <laughs> you can't even see my body. And you're like, I don't believe her. And that's right. incongruence. That's saying the words do not match the vocal power. And when we talk about nonverbal, we're talking about vocal power, tone, as well as body language, facial expression, ornaments. And so with body language, what we are constantly doing is we're looking for, do the words match the face? Do the words match the hands? Do the words match the body? And the first time I really saw the power of this is I love TED Talks. I watch a TED Talk every day mm -hmm. at lunch. And um, I was on the TED website and I searched the word leadership. Cause I, I love leadership. I can watch every okay, leadership. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I up popped two talks and uh, one talk had over 20 million views. It was by Simon Sinek. I don't know if you've seen that very, very famous Ted talk. And the other talk had, I think less than 40,000. I looked at these two talks and I thought, Hmm, they're both 18 minutes long. They both have almost the same title. Like, you know, why leaders succeed. They were both given by relatively unknown experts when the TED Talk first launched, but one talk went viral and one didn't. And by the way, both of these talks were good, but one okay. of them was great, right? And I thought to myself, what makes someone great? Not just good, but what makes it so when someone walks onto a stage, you go, oh, oh yeah, my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be good. I, my hypothesis going into this experiment was it's the nonverbal because both verbally, both these talks were extremely interesting, but non-verbally, mm -hmm. if you just watched them on mute, they were totally different. So my, my team and I embarked on a, a major, major study and little did I know that uh, five years later, it would get me my own TED talk, which was an absolute dream come true. Um, but we started off with sort of humble ambitions. We're like, you know, let's code all TED talks from 2010, the top rated TED talks and the bottom rated TED talks and see if we can see differences. So we watched thousands of hours of TED Talks and coded everything from smiling to hand gestures to body movement to pacing to vocal variety, you name it, mm -hmm. we, we tried to figure it out. And there was a very stark difference, and it was that the most viral TED speakers used an average of 465 hand gestures in 18 minutes, where the least popular TED Talkers used an average of 272 hand gestures in 18 minutes. And this was a huge aha moment for me because it made me realize that what was happening is the very best speakers were literally using their body language to underline and highlight their concepts. When they had a big idea, they showed you their big idea like they were holding a big beach ball. When they had three different things to say, they held up three fingers. Our brain loves to see really congruent people because it's like we're getting information on two tracks. Mm-hmm. That's really insightful information. Uh, in, in when we talk about leadership, just really quick before we wrap it up, I, you know, I think about you know when someone walks into the room, like the presence, right? Like what what happens when you walk into a room? Like what happens when an individual walks in the room? What happens to the energy? And does it shift? And if it doesn't, then you know. So mm -hmm. what you said about those TED talks, I guess the reactions for the videos is pretty much spot on. 
Yeah. And I, you do feel it. And I think, you know, we're, we're just beginning honestly to, to figure out what really is happening like that energetically. But I will say like, there's some really interesting research by Richard Wiseman who has looked mm-hmm. at charismatic people and he is fascinated by charisma as sort of like this palpable <laughs> energy. And he found that when you put highly charismatic people in a room with a low charismatic person, someone who's not very charismatic, but you don't mm-hmm. allow them to speak. So they literally can only use body language. They have to stand in the same room together. The low charismatic person will catch the high charismatic person's mood. Wow. The, the crazy thing about that is it doesn't matter if the highly charismatic person is in a good mood or bad mood. They catch mm-hmm. it all the same, which means, by the way, and this is like something that I think as some, as a recovering awkward person, I joke, I'm a recovering awkward person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I'm not charismatic. It kind of empowered me because of this. If you go to an event or you go to a party or you hop Mm -hmm. on a video call or you get on a call that you don't really want to get on, or you don't really want to be there, that bad mood is infectious. It's contagious. And what I realized was this is a reason why you have to start saying no to the wrong people and the wrong things so you can make space and energy and time for the right things because otherwise you're infecting people with your emotions. Right. That's true. That's very true. Now, speaking of, you know, emotions and people being in a bad mood, that leads me to our second topic as far as the effect of social distancing. And when I was putting this together and knowing that I was going to be talking to you, I thought this was very unique because when we think about social distancing, obviously staying away from each other, six feet apart, doing this and that to make sure that we don't spread the virus. But on a deeper level, I I thought about how something like this goes against our very human nature. And that's why I feel that people are struggling to maintain social distancing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all these guidelines. What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yes, you are absolutely <laughs> right. So if you think about like our, our lizard brain, like how, where we came from, our caveman days, right? We mm-hmm. had to have other people to survive. One, we had to have other people to reproduce, very basically. Second, we had to have people to help us forage and take care of our children and protect our camp. And so Mm -hmm. we are wired that if we are not in physical proximity to other people, something is wrong. We are literally wired to seek that out. And so this very odd thing is happening where it's actually in our best interest right now, our wiring to survive, to stay away from other people. Yet our survival mechanism is saying, oh my gosh, I have to be around other people. Right. <laughs> no. So there, there's some hope here. And then I've been researching a lot about this. When, when we began social distancing um, many weeks ago, I made a pledge that I would only put out content that would help people during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've been diving into the research, I've actually discovered some, some promising things. One is that the main chemical for bonding is called oxytocin. And oxytocin is a very complicated chemical, but when we make eye contact with someone, we shake hands with someone, we feel safe with someone, our body produces oxytocin, and that makes us feel connected and like we belong. It makes us feel safe and happy and secure because our wiring says we have to be around people. The good news is 
you can still produce oxytocin through a webcam. They've actually proven with research, you can wow. still get oxytocin making eye contact through a webcam. You can also get oxytocin by laughing with friends together. You can mm -hmm. also get oxytocin by having a shared experience like watching Netflix together or mm -hmm. having a virtual happy hour. And so mm -hmm. I, what I say to people is we actually have to trick our systems into knowing we do have connections. We might not be able to see them right now. We might not be able to hug and kiss them right now, but we can, we do have those connections. And so what I encourage all my readers to do is I've been sending out challenges to get your body to still produce oxytocin during social distancing. I think that is the single most important thing we can do to prevent loneliness. I think it is the single most important thing that we can do to prevent burnout and fatigue and depression, right. but we, we actually can do it. We just have to work with our chemicals, which is a little different than I think most people realize. Right. That's true. I certainly agree with that. You, it, and that is very insightful. The fact that we still <laughs> virtually can produce chemicals. And I guess that's probably why I'm FaceTiming with my friends more, especially yes. because I'm an extrovert and I'm trying, you know, trying all these ways to keep myself busy so that I don't <laughs> have to face the fact that, okay, I'm social distancing, uh, mainly when it's like, I'm getting outside and I'm in the moment. Cause when I'm in the moment, that's when I realize, okay, I'm by myself. <laughs> yes. 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 And like, by the way, I think that this is a tremendous time for self-development. You oh, know, yes. I, I, I'm, I know this is a little bit off topic, but hopefully it will help and inspire people who are really struggling or have down days. Mm -hmm. So there's a psychological concept called an external or a locus of control that the happier we are is completely related to how in control we feel of our life. And the moment that the government told us to stay home, the moment that a virus was flying through the air, all of our feelings of control went out the window. And so it was very scary and very depressing and still is. Now, people who have an external locus of control, there are two different kinds of people. You have an external locus of control or you have an internal locus of control. I struggle with an external locus of control, which means my internal sense of well-being is unfortunately very dictated by external forces. Like someone sends me a bad email, it can ruin my entire day. Mm -hmm. Or a good comment on Facebook can make my entire day, which is silly because that shouldn't matter. The amount of money in my bank account dictates how successful I feel versus right. someone who has an internal locus of control where they feel I am in control of my self-worth. I have enough sense of self to know that, that email is not going to ruin my day. I can get through it. It's challenging, but I know that I'm capable. Or I don't need Facebook comments to give me my, my daily dose of pleasure. Or I feel successful because I'm achieving my goals. It doesn't matter what amount of money is in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And so this time period for me is I was faced like full force with, okay, I better develop an internal locus of control or else mm -hmm. I'm not going to make it through this time mm -hmm. period. And so what I would say to everyone listening is this is the time to sharpen our tools for resilience. This is how we figure out how we can get through even the smallest bumps later. If we can get through this, imagine what we can get through later. And so that's what I've been trying to focus on a lot is, okay, how can I develop my internal sense of control? Thank you for that. Definitely going to have to take notes, listen to this again and take notes from that. <laughs> and and it, it's a slow process. It's a slow process. So if you're like, wow, like that, that's it. That's what I have to do. It's a little tiny things for control, like daily routines, shared rituals, 
dictating your own self-care, even those things really matter. Really quick, I want to go ahead and hop right into the interview. I want to ask you some questions so the listeners can learn more about you and your career and all the cool things that go along with that. So I'm sure my first question that everyone else, including myself, is really interested to know, which I know a little bit about, what led you to pursue your current career path? Yeah. Um, so I, as I mentioned, I'm a recovering awkward person and um, <laughs> I was always fascinated by psychology and people and body language, but I, every book that I found, every online course that I found felt like it was written by extroverts. And mm. if you're not an extrovert and you're trying to learn people skills, you have to learn it a different way. Now I'm actually an ambivert. I'm somewhere in between introvert and extrovert. I need a lot of alone time, but when I need to, I can dial it up and be extroverted. Or like I I'm delighting in this conversation with you, even mm -hmm. though we're, we're chatting and we're diving deep. I love learning discussions. Whereas like big parties, rooftop decks, nightclubs, bars. Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I, I am. I am so uncharismatic. I'm like the girl who's like, can we go home yet? Can we go home yet? Can we go right. home yet? I'm like, I'm like carrying my heels, you know, I'm like curled up on the leather couch in the back. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's me. And so I thought, you know, I have to write a book that's about people skills and social skills for introverts and ambiverts and science-based extroverts. Meaning I don't want to just have a generality like smile more or be interested to be interesting those all sound great, but in practice, when you're awkward or you're socially anxious or you're talking to an in-law or you're trying to negotiate with a boss, it does not work. Mm -hmm. And so I set out to try to develop science-based frameworks for people that would help people be less awkward while still being authentic. Understood. So my next question to you, do you feel that social media has disrupted the human experience? <sighs> <laughs> I think it's magnified it. And by that, I'll say we all seek pleasure and excitement and little nuggets of good things. Like we want that dopamine. We want those little gifts and gifts. And I think that social media has allowed us very easy ways to get them but on steroids. So instead of having mm. a great little happy moment when your best friend shows you her new puppy, you already had it five weeks ago when she got the puppy and posted it all over her Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I feel like is shifting, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm not a hater on social media. Hey, a lot of my business is on social media and I'm grateful for that. But one thing that I think is the one area we have to push back on is the simple pleasures that we used to have have been lost. Like my friend got a new puppy and right. I was hearing all about it on social media. She was posting about <laughs> it. She was posting about waiting for the puppy, getting ready for the puppy, the house for the puppy. Then she gets the puppy at the airport. I saw the whole video on her Instagram stories. I'm watching her take the, give the puppy's first bath. I'm watching the puppy's first walk. And I saw her three weeks later and she was like, oh, I want to show you my new puppy. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw everything. And uh -huh. even though I hadn't seen her in a month, I knew everything. But she hadn't actually shared that with me. And I couldn't delight in that experience and that success with her. I had it on my own. 
And so we both missed out on something. We both missed out on one, the pleasure and the delight and the surprise of her saying, I got a new puppy and me going, wow, that's so amazing. Tell me why, tell me how, how's it been? And me losing the pleasure of bonding with her and asking questions and being curious and getting surprised. And so we have this false sense of knowing people where we are knowing them, but we're losing the pleasure of getting to know them. And so I think that the one thing that I would encourage people to do is, yeah, sure, post on social media the, the, the small stuff, the updates you wouldn't share with a friend, but save the big ones to tell them in person or over video, because that's the one thing that I think we're losing with social. Okay. That was very insightful. You gave me something to really think about. So my last question to you, and this one, I guess it's kind of a fun question. I... I guess like I somewhat believe in horoscopes and <laughs> I wanted to see where do you lie on that when it comes to horoscopes and human interaction? Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to bust your belief right now. Are you ready? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you a story. So, um, I was always curious about fortunes, you know, I always wondered if they worked or not. And, um, I read a couple of studies that said that there are universal truths about people that people don't believe are universal truths. So there's certain things that everyone thinks that they are, but they think that no one else also has that. And that that's how fortune tellers make their work. I thought, interesting. <laughs> so I took all of these universal truths that no one believes are universal, and I printed them up, and I folded them up, and I put them into 12 different envelopes, and I invited all of my girlfriends over for dinner. And I said, hey, everyone, I, I want to do something interesting tonight. Um, as you all know, I've been studying people skills and body language and the science of personality. And I've decoded all of you through your profiles and through our texts. And I've created custom fortunes for each of you based on your science of personality and your body language. And um, as you can see, there's um, 12 envelopes with your name on them. And I wrote names on each. By the way, the fortunes were exactly the same, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. But I wrote names on each of the envelopes and I said, I would like everyone to open their envelope and quietly read your fortune and then please give it a rating for me so I can know how accurate I am on a scale of one to five, one being totally off base and five being, I know you better than your partner or your mother. I know you better than yourself. It's like I read your diary and I'm sure you can tell where this is going. Everyone started opening their fortunes and I am not joking when I say people started to cry. <laughs> One of my friends actually started to cry and she was like, oh my God, I had no idea that you knew me this well. I am so touched that you would say, know these things about me. Now I'm feeling guilty, right? Like now I'm feeling <laughs> really guilty, really guilty. And, and like the numbers are like four, five, 10, 10, five, you know, like people are like giving it ridiculous ratings. I think yeah. one person said it was a three because there was one thing for her. She has a, a unique history that wasn't true for her. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew it when I, I was like, oh, she's going to ruin my numbers. And then, of course, I had to break the horrible news that they all have the same fortune. <laughs> People, like, didn't speak to me for weeks. Like, did oh. not <laughs> speak to me. Because the belief in fortunes is so strong. It's such a yeah. sexy belief. And so what I would say to you is, I'm sure there are people who feel that they create or have gotten very unique fortunes, but there's mm -hmm. also there are universal truths that people never believe are universal truths. And so I would gently suggest that 
maybe instead of believing in fortunes, you could believe in science. I'll take that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, Vanessa, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. I really appreciate it. And it was, again, it was a joy and a pleasure uh, having you on today. Uh, really quick listeners, Make sure to go check out her book, Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. You can find it everywhere. You can find it online. Go to your bookstore. You'll find it there. I read the Audible. I read the (laughs) Audible, too. It's my voice on there. (laughs) (laughs) That's even better. So, yeah, go check it out. Again, thank you, Vanessa. And until next time, everybody, you're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out. 